A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Are you ready for the happy tears and the sad tears? I know I am. So just who will find love and who will leave here devastated and alone? About to find out. You ready? Because the beach is over. Just remember one thing. It's not your poop baby. It's going to be our poop baby. I know what I bring as a woman in this relationship. You just didn't see that. And you can go see that with someone else and I don't care. Like, I am really into John Henry, but Kat is pursuing him hard. She's so narcissistic. You disrespectful hoe. I'm disgusted. I look at her and I'm like, Ugh. like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna profusely, like, 
bomb all over the place. Here's to never being certain what the hell this place has to offer you. And being thrown curveballs left and right, but continuing to swing at the hope that you hit something. We also have a man who is as bitter as his drink. Well, Adam. When I came like down those steps, I told myself, if there was a point where I knew I needed to go, I would go. And it's going to be so hard, but I think I know that this is that moment. It's 12 weddings last year. Hook up with whoever you want when you want. I have the ability to, but it's not what I want. Like, I, I want one of those 12 weddings to be my wedding, you know? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And today we've got something very special. We're going to be going through everything that you need to know that you need to remember if you care to remember anything at all about Bachelor in Paradise Season 9. Mm-hmm. You're not going to take a forget me now. <laughs> I mean, it was a rough one. Look, there's no two ways about it. This was a rough season, and this happens, especially in any franchise that has the the volume, the history of media that this franchise has made. Some seasons are going to be better than others. Some, pe- some seasons are going to be worse. This was the worst one yet. Um, that said, <laughs> there were a lot of important things that still happened in it that are, I think, um, going to be very influential moving into the future in terms of how producers look back at this season and how it's going to affect future seasons. Hopefully. Hopefully lessons have been learned. And a lot of what we talk about today is about that. They're going to stop someone from pooping every season now. Yeah, exactly. They just make everybody as constipated as possible. Jam them up. Is there some kind of medication that can do that? Yeah. Make you constipated? There must be. I'm sure. They got medications to do anything you want to your poop. Oh, nice. Didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be going through our top 10, and we're also going to be giving out our season-ending awards. These are face plays of the season, creatures of the season, heirs of the season, plays of the season, MVP of the season, Jorge Moreno of the season. Uh, so stick around for that at the end. All right. Shall we get into this? Are you ready, Pace Case? I'm ready. All right. Our number 10 top 10 takeaway here is the overuse and misuse of crowns this season had technically more crown appearances than any other season in bachelor in paradise and uh Mm -hmm. one of them rachel reccia was the the worst one probably they mistreated her so badly she was there in the first sand round she was even first female sand which was great Everything was looking up in that first five minutes of episode one. Then we watched what happened to her. No date card. Didn't get to go on uh, any dates. The disrespect. That were of her own volition. It was it was other people getting a date card, like Braden inviting her on a date. Um, yeah, complete disrespect to her. And we watched it just kind of beat her down and beat her down until in the end she self-eliminates during the final rose ceremony. In a, a real moment of sadness, I felt that she was kind of the the spirit of the Bachelor franchise embodied in this season. And that really is, yes. is what it's felt like to be a fan of this uh, franchise the past couple of years. Golden Bachelor notwithstanding, obviously, and Charity Lawson season notwithstanding, obviously. But I have one more, one more thing that I'll get to in my awards that I think represented the season as well, mm. but... I agree. <laughs> yeah, this this season had a couple of mascots. But the ad that said, here are four 
There's going to be four bachelorettes right. on sand. It was a disrespect not only to the crowns, making them do this whole charade where they're pretending to date, but also a disrespect to us and our intelligence. Yes, absolutely. And that ultimately with any show, the people who make the show are beholden to the audience. And when you treat the audience like shit, like you can make creative decisions that don't work, fine. We'll forgive that. But don't treat us like we're dumb, like we haven't been watching this show since the beginning. And to trot out uh, Katie Thurston, Sand Beast, as much as I love seeing Sand, Sand Beast do her circle paid, Charity Lawson to come in to just be essentially an assassin uh, for one of the characters at a certain point, which we'll get to a little bit later, um, and to make us think, oh, they're here to date. We all knew Katie Thurston was going to be on F-Boy this season. We all knew Hannah Brown is engaged to a fucking guy. We all knew Charity Lawson is... We saw her last season with Dutton. We know they're together from the very show that you make. So why do this? We're voting for her in Dancing with the Stars. And she hoojoos Dutton. Yeah, oh. it was just um, terribly handled from top to bottom. Rekia should have had a date card on day one. And should have gotten date cards whenever she wanted them. Rekia should have been given special treatment. Yes. She should have given mul been given multiple date cards. The idea that like, I, I think the producers have this idea in mind of Bachelor in Paradise that when you show up to it, it's like everybody's equal. Fuck you. You all have to live in shitty conditions. This is about torturing you. And so they don't give special treatment to a crown like they did to Becca Kufrin that one season. But the only reason she got internet access is because she had to still record happy hour. So she was still an employee of that uh, podcast. You know, hmm. I think had she not had that obligation to the franchise, she wouldn't have gotten special treatment either. So that's what we were really missing this season. We didn't have enough official Bachelor podcasters on sand. Well, I mean, the official Bachelor Nation podcast world, this is kind of a side note, I guess, is greatly diminished, obviously. We had three official Bachelor Nation podcasts going at one point. Now we're down to one. It's hosted by... Clickbait. Yeah, we're down to clickbait. Uh, God, I wish it was still clickbait. We're down to happy hour hosted by Grocery and Serena, but it feels a lot like clickbait in that it's just kind of meandering and, and not really about anything anymore. So I don't know. There, there, there's some diminishment there too, but it was just sad to see the, the treatment of all these crowns coming in, giving yes. their time. I thought Beast pulled it off probably the best, the Sand Beast, because she seemed mm -hmm. to have a malicious glee. Circle of Pain was enjoyable. You know, in the future, I think this is a good idea to bring crowns back and to even have them host group dates. I don't think that's a bad idea. It's the way it's presented. Don't make it seem like they're there to date people. That is so stupid and just a waste of time. And a waste a waste of time having them go and check in with people and see who they're dating. Speaking of things that made me feel bad this season, our number nine top takeaway from this season of Bachelor in Paradise was no boom boom room. We saw the diminishment of it last season when we had only Jared and Ashley Iaconetti using it for their fart play. And, <laughs> their uh, fart play. That was Ashley Iaconetti's fart play exclusively. Kira Mengistu's... Uh, <laughs> Vibrator play. Yeah. Stolen vibrator play. Used other person's vibrator play. Oh, right. I forgot about I've already softened the softened the edges of the all of those things. That that was Sally's vibrator, <laughs> supposedly. God, they did her dirty. What did Sally do to them? 
the flight mishap. That's that's yeah. what she did to deserve all this ire. She didn't get on the flight that we had booked for her. Now make Kira Mengis do open up her fake suitcase and use her fake vibrator in the boomer yeah. room that's filled with Ashley Iaconetti's creamy Caesar farts. Anyway, I didn't miss the creamy Caesar farts, but I missed the boom boom room. Why are we taking the sex out of the paradise, which is supposed to be sexier than our main game? They always advertise it down to flock, uh, flamingo toys humping each other. That's the advertisement. Where is the sex? I absolutely agree. And I think that it it just lent to how boring this season was. It makes it seem like the couples are not real. Yeah, well, of course, they're not real. That's obvious. We saw that in the end. <laughs> Remember when fucking Sam P and PP had their breakup conversation? And he's like, listen, I'm all exiting you. I think this should go to the, the fantasy suite. And she's like, mm, no, bye. Uh, they all were like that. No, they're giving me a bonus to break up with you right now. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I agree with you. The Boom Boom Room is a, a time-honored tradition in Paradise. And to not have it this season at all, it didn't feel like paradise. I think that was a part of why this season was so bad. I mean, there's infinite amounts of different gameplay strategies you can come up with through the use of the Boom Boom Room. We watched Kenny Brash expertly use it a couple of seasons ago. Demi expertly mm-hmm. has used it many, many times. Um, yeah, I don't know why they've they've taken it out or why they felt the need to... I mean, did people use it and they just cut it out of the show? I have no idea, but it wasn't there. Maybe. Yeah. You know, we'll never know. So uh, moving on to our number eight top 10 takeaway is the truth box. Now, (laughs) every season in, in the recent history of the show has had these kind of weak attempts by producers to influence the game and inject some form of drama because they can't manufacture it any other way. Um, I personally think that this truth box shit was like something they came up with because they were like two weeks into shooting and they were like, this season's terrible. Nothing's happening. We have to like make something happen. Fuck it. Let's get this truth box thing going. And if the players won't throw in anything interesting into the truth box, we'll just write a bunch of shit, throw it in there and see what happens. And uh, it just didn't work. Wouldn't it be crazy if Brayden and Rachel made out? Yeah, exactly. These, these kind of like weak producing attempts if you can't manipulate the situation or set up a scenario that will unfold in multiple ways that could all be interesting that's like the best type of producing is you say we're going to put these two people in this situation and any outcome is going to be great tv instead they say we've put all these people in the situation nothing interesting is happening now we have to write on pieces of paper what we want them to do just terribly done and they brought it back three times uh, my favorite move of the season, this wasn't my play of the season, but my favorite move was probably Aaron S smashing the truth box. I hope that he did that of his own volition because uh, it needed to be done, in my opinion. Kind of feel like, I don't know if he did. Speaking of interesting choices this season, our number seven top takeaway was that we had no 4TRR couple to root for. I would say Aaron B and Eliza are maybe your maybe the closest thing that we have to it, but they made Aaron B look like a villain when they brought in Charity as yeah. this uh, torpedo and had and had Cat Izzo tattle on him to Eliza in the bathroom. Uh, we got a villain edit of Cat Izzo, who is a ring winner. 
I think this was actually my wowie of the season was the edit of Kat Izzo. I don't understand why. I mean, she is a good villain, but these are your ring winners. These are the ones you're supposed to uphold as the most for TRR ever. I agree with you. Even John Henry, I got a fool edit the whole fucking season. So you have a villain and a fool mm-hmm. that we're then supposed to care about. And then even after they they won the ring and they did the recap footage at the very end of the finale episode of, of like, look back through the history of this season of Paradise. They threw in a bunch of shit in that recap reel of Kat Izzo being a villain. So even after she made the complete hero turn, she's now got her ring. Here, remember, she's a villain. It made no fucking sense. And I think it comes from... Yeah. This is just my two cents on this. Um, I think it comes from these producers looking only at the minutia of like what's in the moment. How can we fill two hours of uh, TV time yeah. or three hours of TV time? Here, she's saying something crazy. Throw that in. Here, she's saying something crazy. Throw that in. And they're not thinking about how this affects the long-term viewership of the whole season. Yes. That you're building a narrative arc that must be satisfying at the end of the season. And if you undercut all your main characters as you're going through that season of like, this person's a dipshit. This person's mean to everybody. Well, I don't fucking want that. I don't care if they get married. Fuck them, you know? The first episode especially felt like that, where it's like, okay, well, let's get a love triangle. Even if none of these people are going to have any longevity in paradise or end up with someone, it's like, okay, what's our triangle of the week? And some of this shit too, I think it it does a big disservice to the game as a whole. Like what, what they did with Aaron B, for example. Okay, they bring him back. He had, I don't know that he had like exactly a villain edit per se in Charity Lawson season, but that girlfriend shit, like the girlfriend outside the show did come up. They tried to pin that on him. He's getting a redemption arc now. This is what Paradise is primarily for, for villains. They can come here, mm-hmm. find a 4TR relationship, and hopefully blossom once again within the franchise. Aaron B does that with somebody who is beloved from a prior season of Bachelor in Paradise, Eliza Isachi. He's on his path. Then out of nowhere, they fucking get Kat Izzo to come in and stir this shit I, up. Eliza is a golden girl. She yeah. is 4TRR incarnate. The fact that they weren't able to like focus on this 4TRR couple. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that they had to bring back up shit he had already put to rest. You can see his eyes rolling when all this shit's happening. He's like, come on, are you fucking serious? It's old drama. It's past drama. And you're you're doing this in a way that shows all their players. Anybody who goes through Bachelor or Bachelorette watches Paradise. They need to know what's happening in the game because that may be their next move. Oh, shit. I didn't make it so far in my rookie season of, of whichever the two main games. How am I going to get on Paradise? You watch the last season. You start to look at who might be there. You, you start putting together the game in your head. And when you see a season like this and you're like, fuck, they just fuck everyone over for seemingly no reason to create what? Drama that does what? Nothing. It made him look bad. It made Charity look bad. It made Eliza staying with him look bad. It just... Yeah. I... I don't know. And maybe they thought some other couple was going to be the 4TRR couple they could hang it on who broke up. I don't know. Like Kylie and Avon, maybe they were trying to force that proposal. But I mean, they need to, I guess they want to like build some kind of fake obstacle for him or whatever, you know, because like, is it really a fun relationship Mm. to watch if he comes in and is like, I'm all exiting you. And she's like, great. And then they get engaged. You know what? The answer is yes. You can make that very fun because then they're the couple we're rooting for. They're the couple that's like like a Brett and Tiffany basically on Love is Blind 
uh, mm-hmm. for. You can't like, like they got the most Instagram followers. Everyone loved them because they're so into that story, into that relationship being real. They had seemingly no obstacles. There were a couple obstacles in that season where it was like Brett was like, "I buy a lot of tennis shoes." Or sneakers, and she's like, I don't know about that, and that was it. You know, a cute kind of little. Their obstacle is we want to have sex, but we're in the middle of the reception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and here you just have these kind of like manufactured obstacles that, in my opinion, don't work, and ultimately can be cut out of the show. They edit this show way after it's shot. They know everything. They know what all the outcomes are going to be. They can put together a narrative of whatever they basically want to do in the course of that season through omission of certain things or addition of certain things or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they chose to keep all that in with charity. They chose to make that her uh, reason for being on the sand. Here's a gentle 4TRR obstacle. I want to propose to Eliza, but I don't feel good about doing it without getting the blessing. What am I going to do? Yeah. And like, why didn't they even show that blessing? That kind of undercut the importance of it. Very strange to not show it. I don't, I really don't understand why they did this to all their couples this season, just completely threw them under the bus. And then you also see, you know, like what happened with Sam P and PP, what happened with Olivia and Michael, any of the couples that (laughs) broke up in the end, you saw like one person was kind of willing to still play the game. Like Olivia was like, I think we should go to the fantasy suites. And he's like, I don't see a relationship with us at all ever again. These other people were like, fuck it. I came in here. I did what I had to do. And now I'm out. Um, You're not getting like players who are game anymore. You're getting one maybe per season. Olivia Lewis this season. Kira Mm -hmm. Mangistu last season. And then you're also getting people like, um, you know, Becca Serrano. Just piecing out. It's I don't know. They're doing something bad in how they are not allowing these couples to be for TRR in an entertaining way and trying to make them villains, trying to make them fools at every turn. Speaking of uh, what I really wanted to see this season and one of the highlights of the entire season for me, our number six takeaway is Braden Bowers and Christina Mandrell. This is the most interesting couple that happened, and it happened outside the show. It was only mentioned in the montage. You have so many, like two of the most entertaining Bachelor players in recent memory getting together. One is a package deal, so it's automatically for TRR. It has cl- it has stakes. It has clout. And I believe this is the result of the producers not accommodating star players like Mandrell. Why wasn't she on sand? It 100% is that. Uh, Mandrell, Nate Mitchell. There's a bunch of players that I think were supposed to be on sand this season who were not there. And the reason I believe personally is that, especially in the case of Mandrell or Nate Mitchell, they have children and they probably were like, look, I don't want to come down there and waste my time. Can you at least give me some kind of a guarantee that like I'll get to... You can't guarantee you're not going to be... Come out week one or whatever. What was her face who never went down? And the the producers were probably like, fuck you. The woman that never went down that one season. Oh, the Ivan B. Hall Um, had to go uh, sneak into a room. Alexa Ray Caves. Alexa Ray Caves. Yeah. Can I? Can you guarantee me if I leave my child yeah. for two months, I, you won't Alexa Ray Caves me? You're not going to caves me. Don't caves me. That's all I'm asking. Don't give me the Don't caves, caves me. treatment. Don't put me in the cave. Take me to the airport. You've kidnapped me. Yeah. Don't caves me. But like in terms of me 
being like excited and being like, oh, what I'm seeing on screen is fun. Nothing the entire season was more exciting or fun than just a fucking yeah. Instagram reel of Braden Bowers and Christina Mandrell going on a date. Can you imagine if you would have had them on a one-on-one date? It might win Parasocial Play of the Year. Yeah, it might. And 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 should. A, a late-in-the-game contender. It's absolutely Ugh. mind-blowing to me that they don't understand any sport or game, whatever you want to call it, show, fine. Anything is only as good as the players, the people, the actors, the the people who are on screen that we're watching. It's only ever going to be as good as that. And if you don't have people who are the best people that were popping off your screen in their rookie seasons, if you don't have those people, the fucking all-star game is going to suck. Christina Mandrell's an all-star. She should have been in the all-star game. Yeah. Nate Mitchell's an all-star. He should have been in the all-star game. There are a bunch of other players that we can mention. Yeah. Anyone who's been in, both of those people have been in crown contention in the conversation. Yes. All of those people should touch sand and they should be in the first round. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that there are, you know, there's probably some of these players who are like, fuck you, I'm never going to paradise. That's also a problem with producing. Why does anyone have that attitude about paradise? (laughs) You know what I mean? Every one of these players should be like, oh, shit, yeah. I get to go do another Bachelor show. Yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. It's like, no. If You should make it where, where Popeye would go. Yes. You know? I mean, how about this? How about this? Why not have a season that is almost all X crowns? As many of them as you can get. Pay the fucking money. Sexy as hell. Pay the fucking money. Ugh, I don't yeah. understand. I, I just don't get like... To me, Paradise seems like in the minds of the producers and even the network, it is just a throwaway whatever. It has the word bachelor in it. And so there's going to be X amount of bachelor fans who will watch. And that's all we give a fuck about the rest of it. Who cares? It just seems like, you know, from casting to the way they are putting this show together, it seems lazy to me and like an afterthought. And it just shows it's like, I, I don't know what we're supposed to be watching here. And especially in this thing with Brain Bowers and Christina Mandrell, when that little moment, which is a piece of media that is not even created by the show is the most exciting moment of the season. And and I don't think we're the mm-hmm. only ones who feel like this, by the way. I got millions of fucking DMs about it. No, the numbers on it are like 500K, a million views on these things. More people are watching that than watch the show. It's not a joke. That's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> definitely more people watching it than Sassy, World Sassiest. And I'm hoping that they, the producers like are looking at this understanding this seeing that it must be amended in some way there are there are so many iterations of paradise that would be amazing uh with just a little tweaking you know i think maybe there's Mm -hmm. there's something to be done with um i talked about this in my recap adding a new layer of like competition in it not anything that's like for a money prize not anything that turns it into a game show <clears throat> but something where you have like challenges during the day and the winners get to have like better mm-hmm. sleeping conditions or something. Oh, you won. You get to go stay a night in the the luxury hotel suite. Play for time. Play for a one-on-one date, a date card. Does that fall into the <laughs> no game show rules? Winning a date card? No, I think you could do those things. I think winning date cards would be fine. I think that would be perfect. There just needs to be some other stakes in this because like what the show is right now is it's a bunch of people who have not been built into strong characters through their rookie seasons, meandering around and like trying to avoid being the target of a producer villain edit. That's what the whole show feels like. And it ain't good, you know? And when you have these all-stars, yeah. like we're talking about Christina Mandrell, who don't even want to come into the show or can't get what they want to come into the show or whatever, 
that is a problem with the producing, in my opinion. Uh, speaking of problems with producing, let's move on to our number five uh, item here on the top 10 list. Instagram growth is dead, deceased. And this is a problem <laughs> of the producing. We saw in, um, I believe it was BIP7, we had um, Brennan Marias and Piper James having their conversation about Instagram followers and why they're coming into the show and all that. And that was used as this, this kind of pivotal moment in the franchise where they put it on camera and they turned them into giant villains. And they had Grocery and his gang of disgruntled females kick them off the beach. And this idea, I think, at that very moment was injected into the franchise that Instagram itself is evil. Even the mention of it is 4TRR or 4TWR, sorry. And from that point... And they gave Natasha a producer rose. Oh, yeah. Fuck. For her suffering at the hands of these Instagram villains. And from that moment forward, we have watched a, a sharp decline in Instagram growth in our beloved game. Kind of across other games, too. But you still see in other games like Love is Blind, people are getting into the high five and 600,000s after successful seasons like uh, Brett Brown and Tiffany Pennywell. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible to come off of these shows and still pop off. Travis Kelsey. Yeah. It's possible if you're dating the most famous person in the world to also uh, get Instagram followers if you can uh, pull that off. But um, I think that it has done a massive disservice also to like the state of the game. This is part and parcel with the producers treating you like shit on the show, making players not want to come in. Now there's no benefit to suffering through the producer's shitty treatment. You, you aren't going to get Instagram followers either. Who the fuck's ever going to want to come on Paradise? Uh, we're looking at like Olivia Lewis, who I think did the most work this season, right now is sitting at 64.2 thousand followers. You can't even crack I mean, 100K now? The disrespect. I can't. She, oh my God, the parasocial play we, that she did this week. We'll obviously talk about it in Twibbon, but the uh, it was something about carrying things on her back. Said my back hurts. My back hurts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. Her back hurts. She broke her back and she has 64.2K. And it's like the, the producers can do stuff to help this too. You know, Olivia Lewis is somebody who was like game. Very clearly, she was working with the producers, doing what they wanted, doing what they asked, you know, probably even coming up with some plot lines for herself, just doing the most work to make sure you've got somebody in the show who's entertaining, constant colorful narration, constant commenting mm -hmm. on other people's relationships, putting herself in the business of it, being the villain if she has to, taking a 4TRR turn if she has, doing whatever. This is just a fucking worker. In a season that was mostly ITMs, <laughs> it was very crucial. <laughs> and, you know, if they wanted to, they could be promoting her through their social media. Why not? Give her a little bit of a bump. Get her out there in front of all these articles. Give her some Us Weekly articles, some uh, People Magazine articles. Instead, none of that happens. She is left to fend for herself, dismissed unceremoniously. They have to cut together her um, exit speech out of like Frankenbitten ITM shit that they're playing over her face. It was just a sad thing to watch, honestly. And I think that, you know, a lot of these other shows now that are starting to pop off, these aggregator kind of all-star shows like Perfect Match, you are seeing people do well on social media there. If it blows up, you are in like these other games. Like I was saying, Love is Blind. There is still uh, money to be made as an influencer who comes from reality TV. But if Paradise can no longer promise that, you're going to see weaker and weaker crops of players who are 
less and less mm-hmm. interesting, and that show will fade into obscurity. You must keep your players famous. And more fearful. Sorry. But like, if it's not worth it to get Instagram followers, you're not going to risk what you're doing, what you're saying, wild play strategy. Why would you? There's no point in making great TV. Exactly. That is exactly right. Instagram and social media is the reward for coming on these shows. If you take the reward away, no one will come on these shows. I just don't know like, what is Bachelor in Paradise Season 10 going to look like if they don't correct some of this shit? I have no idea. I mean, we'll obviously have to wait and see who the, the rookies are in Bachelor 28. 30 poop babies. <laughs> Everybody comes down. The first thing they say to Jesse Palmer at the gates to hell is, I haven't shit in a week already. Oh, my <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> Speaking of poop babies, our number four most important takeaway from this Bachelor in Paradise season was... The Kenny and Mari wedding. This is a wedding of ring winners from, what, two seasons ago? It's, you should be propping them up. We should, we should know who these characters are. We should be looking forward to this wedding. We've had Paradise Weddings before where they've managed to, you know, turn the reception into drama uh, that looked like, giant, amazing events that you would want to have. It should be what you aspire to. Instead, we see (laughs) it feels like an afterthought. And we see the first row is just Wells by himself and Blake Moynes. There's no there's no hint that it could be a real wedding. In fact, they bring in the the uh, wait staff and the chefs to kind of fill out the crowd. Treating the wedding kind of like this blip joke, I think also diminishes the quote-unquote ultimate reward, which is to become ring winners, to find your fiancé, to get married. Like, they're actually doing it. There's nothing more for TRR than doing that. Yeah, not only was it an afterthought, they already were married. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements this is face eye body shield and it can all be used with any of their other products which are free from over 1500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red irritated or itchy their products are safe for sensitive skin it's just one of the reasons they've earned the skin safe seal of approval you gotta keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that i've got going on And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues, underwear drawers, 
they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black, waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me undies <laughs> makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well... Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Agreed. I mean, well, <laughs> we, yeah. they, they sold their actual <laughs> wedding to people. It was covered. There were pictures. There were articles. All of that came out, I believe, in uh, early November. Always be getting and, married. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one happened chronologically first. But at least the reporting of them being married came out in early November. This episode came out in early December. So for already a month, we know they're married. There's no like, oh my God, they're they're finally getting married. It just seemed fake. Um, Who's going to be the couple that's getting married? Yeah. I mean, we predicted that it would be them uh, very early on. Yeah. But I agree with you. This wedding was mishandled. Come with me, if you will, into an alternate universe where episode one is this. We don't see anybody walk down to the beach. We don't see who's first sand and all that shit. The first mm -hmm. 18 players are... It, we open on. The first 18 players are sitting in nice clothes in a nice wedding chapel waiting for somebody to come out and get married. Kenny and Mari get married in a an elaborate, beautiful ceremony and that kicks off the season. This could be you a year from now. Mm. And now we watch that all these people. Amazing. Rachel Recchia gets a date card immediately after the wedding at the reception. 
she and Braden Bowers go to some beautiful restaurant. They go out dancing. They have a little wedding reception of their own. Oh my God, the emotions are high. Mm. Everything's great. This could be how you produce the season. Instead, it's not. Instead, Kenny and Mari come in and they are treated to Dark Lord Palmer standing next to a small wicker table with two conch shells on it and a few blankets draped <laughs> over some fucking picnic benches. Um, and that's a wedding that people are supposed to give a shit about. And this is going to make you have the hard conversations. Then you get 100 ITMs from every player being like, seeing that wedding really made me realize I have to get clarity on these hard conversations. And it's like, oh, God, it's just so wrote by the book, paint by numbers. There's nothing behind it. Uh, they got to change this. It's not hard to change this. Just care about the shit you're making. That's all you got to do. Care about it. How do you really feel? That's how I feel. I fucking care about it. I love this goddamn franchise. I don't like seeing what's happening. I don't think any of us do. Yeah. No. Especially when it's like, it's it's right next to Golden. Golden is like almost a perfect fucking piece of media. And then it, like, as soon as that fucking hour shift happens, you're like, wait, what? The same people are making this? To some degree. I mean, it's different producer uh, groups, but it's under the same franchise banner. And some people are responsible for both. Same host. Same host. I just don't get it. Only 50 days home a year. Yeah. But that wedding really, to me, was a very clear example of them saying, this is something the show needs. We need to have a wedding in the end, but just put no money into it, no time, no thought, and it'll be fine. And it's not. It just isn't. Yeah. Uh, it's bad. Speaking of bad things... <laughs> Our number three <laughs> top 10 takeaway was, of course, the poop baby. <laughs> For me, this is actually probably my number one because yeah. it's the thing I'll remember the most. Yeah, I think for sure it's the number one thing from this season. They kept hitting it hard, hitting it often. And, uh, you know, we got the poop clock. We got all the different conversations that poor Sam had to have with this fucking doctor. We got the turtle putting his head out of the shell. And... This really now has become something that they do basically every season. This is like a Sally suitcase uh, type scenario where they they take somebody's fool edit to a level that is like horrible and really yeah. counter to the idea of what paradise is. It's like you were saying earlier, Pace Case. This is supposed to be the sexier, like hot couples doing their thing out on the beach. We don't want to see Ashley Iaconetti with creamy Caesar farts. We don't want to see her pissing on herself in the sand. We don't want to see... We only need three poop baby clocks maximum yeah. <laughs> per season. That's right. <laughs> Once you go over three, it's three is, is tasteful. Four poop baby clocks. Yeah. No, now we've reached some <laughs> strange realm. That's indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It fucking is. But like. I'm just going to, this was in one of our, our uh, ones that almost made the cut, but I'll, I'll add it on here. It's like the burrito mm -hmm. in the, the opening video montage where Jesse Palmer takes a bite out of a burrito, then he throws it off screen and Wells catches it and takes a bite. Which I thought was a Subway sandwich oh. for a while. I didn't make the connection. It goes along with this idea, same thing with Poop Baby, of like, this show really tries to be funny and it's not. I don't know who's coming up with these ideas. The shit's not funny. That burrito thing doesn't make any sense. I don't mm -hmm. understand it. Jesse was a football player. Yeah. He can throw things. Okay. Quarterback style. Sure. 
Wells is his shadow. Okay. His little sidekick. Yeah. He catches his throws. I mean, the entire opening video montage is kind of a, it's a... A running back? What? Nothing. (laughs) Okay. I was trying to think of what the catcher is in football. The catcher in football? There's no catcher in football. That's baseball. But the people who catch the footballs... Not the running backs? Running backs can catch passes. So can wide receivers, tight ends, flanker backs. Linemen are the only people who can't catch a a forward pass. Those ones. And that's been our football corner. Thank you very much. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) What, a lineman's never caught a ball? I bet that's not true. I bet they've scored. Well, it's illegal to do that. You get a penalty for it. What? Yeah, but you can catch like uh, interceptions. Linemen can intercept balls and stuff. That's what I mean. It gets tossed all skedaddle. That's an interception though. That's a different thing. Wait, an interception is different than a catch? Yes, an interception is when somebody on the other team catches a ball passed by the offensive team. But you're still catching it. Yep. But it doesn't count as a reception. It's an interception. Okay. Wait a minute. What were we talking about? Oh, the burrito. (laughs) (laughs) So this burrito... (laughs) The burrito is part of this video montage, which they've had for a long time. And I think, you know generally works it is a parody of like an 80s sitcom opening video montage similar to like a threes company or whatever i don't think you need it i agree i think you golden it i agree one tiny little snippet you can get better with that time i don't feel like i'm getting to know the people as well through the intros or hear me out instead of making them goofy and giving everyone a fool edit make them power pose hero shots Golden sun setting behind them. Make them look as good as you possibly can. Yes. Like Love Island. Turn the show into something of beauty. Yes, exactly. They do like slow-mo of their like wet bodies coming out of pools and stuff. Yeah, shit like that. The comedy doesn't work on this show. I'm sorry to say it. Bachelor in Paradise is not a funny show. They, um, not intentionally funny. There are some players who do very funny shit in this show. And maybe even intentionally, but not because of the producers. I'm talking specifically about the comedic ideas producers try to put in this show do not work ever, in my humble opinion. Uh, You're looking at poop, baby. You're looking at Sally's suitcase, the burrito. I mean, do you laugh at any of this shit? No. I don't think anybody does. I did laugh at the wedding. (laughs) But yeah, they're not trying to make a wedding funny. I was trying to think of what I was laughing. I was like, (laughs) there was... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wells is the best man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This could be you. A year from now, you could be having a horribly shitty wedding that people are laughing at out in Bachelor Nation. I just don't think that they're like, when they're trying to make these comedic bits, they don't work. They even take people when they have like guest hosts and shit like David Spade, who are genuinely like funny people, they make them unfunny. It just doesn't work. Like this needs to turn on its head, move it from we're going to make everybody look like shit and make jokes at their expense to we're going to make everybody look fantastic and you're going to want all of them to wind up falling in love. Mm. And you're going to really care about that happening. Look at Golden Bachelor. That's why it worked. We wanted every one of those women to wind up with fucking Gary. And when he's kicking them off the show, you're like, fuck, not her. Oh, God, not her. Oh, shit, Susan. It's the format. That's what we need to be seeing every week. Every week. Try not to villainize anyone. Speaking of falling in love with our beloved characters, our number two top takeaway is 
the penis sculptor, the animal play man, the ring winner from Katie Thurston's season, who was also on Tasha and Claire's season, Blake Moynes established himself this season as the number one utility crown. He went vial style onto this sand and he seemed to TRR in his exit. He can't find love. I mean, will he try one last time? Is there hope for this man ever finding love? Well, there is if there's not a compelling person on the next season of Bachelorette. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I can already see his promo. We're in the woods. We're in the woods of Alberta, Canada, far away from society. A small log cabin, a thin wisp of smoke coming out of the top of the chimney. The door opens and there's Blake Moynes, bearded, shirtless, suspenders, carrying an axe. He's been living out in the woods, just working on himself, becoming a man off the land. But now he's ready to find love. Something like this. That's so good. Thank you. It kind of reminds me the sexy Joey tennis playing promo. I've been thinking about it for months. <laughs> You've been thinking about it for months. <laughs> that tennis playing promo of uh, Grazi was fucking... I watched it again. It's very good. It's very good. And you can see that for Blake Moynes. He's yeah. got like little suspenders. He's in front of a fire the axe he's got um a bunch like his dog or his creatures yeah. there was a thing in that grazi promo he dumps off a rhino it was almost like not exactly like this but like it had a tone of it at least to me of like a marvel movie trailer or something they they're making him like a superhero almost there's a tone of it in there yeah. with that weird alarm sound that they keep putting in there's like an urgency to whatever they're doing. What's that Dream Within Dreams movie? Inception. Inception. It reminds me of Inception, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah, it has that a little bit, and I think that's a good thing to do. It's painting this franchise in a new kind of light that is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say, as much as we're shitting all over Bachelor in Paradise season nine here, I do think the franchise is doing some shit better than they've ever done it. And it does feel like yeah. with this Grazia Day season, they are they're turning on the fucking juice with these promos like they're marketing that thing very well opto 2023 worked out wonders for bachelorette and golden <laughs> i agree bip they didn't get the the message but i did like everything blake moines did this season pretty much i think he mm -hmm. he did do enough like you're saying to to put himself at the top of that utility player list and uh you know we've talked about this all season if he can manage to swing crown next year I think that's probably his only shot at it. I think after two years have passed, he's too long out of the spotlight. But um, mm. if he can swing Bachelor next year, or Bachelor next January, Bachelor season 29, essentially, then you must begin the conversation of, is he the greatest player to have ever lived? He's close to it now. He's in the top five for sure, just based on stats alone. He's got a ring. Maybe if he came on Gore. Yeah, well, we should get him. We should talk to him about it. Because he's the only player to have dated three Bachelorettes in succession, back to back to back. Oh, wait, sorry. I thought you were talking about Vial. No, 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 Moines. Uh, we'll get Vial eventually, too. Vial style. Yeah. He crashed a season like Vial. He dated two back to back bachelorettes and then a third one in, in the Katie Thurston season crash. He now has got his paradise on. And if he can get crown, I mean, that's a big thing to be able to get. That's like a huge 
thing. But if he can pull that off, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how you could make an argument against him being the be- greatest player of all time. Those are the only two crowns that have come from sand, right? Underwood and Vile. To my knowledge, yes. I can't think of any others. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously. All right. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, don't don't worry. The Moines watch is in effect. Clues has already made the promos for Moines' bachelor season. <laughs> I'm using AI to just create that season. Blake Moines' bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you this about AI. I think within the next like year or two, it will be possible to make a any season of bachelor you want with any bachelor, any bachelorette, any player pool. And I'm going to be doing as many as I can. Two to five years. Two to five years. Yes, exactly. Maybe sooner. I'm not sure. But uh, let's move on here to our final number one. At the top of the list, top 10 takeaways from Bachelor in Paradise Season 9 is the ratings death of the show. Worst rated season (laughs) in the history of Bachelor in Paradise. And it dropped half of the numbers basically every week of Golden Bachelor lead-in. Golden Bachelor was crushing the ratings. It won every week. Absolutely dominant across all networks. Then, literally the only thing that happened was People had to just leave their TVs on the same channel and watch a little more Bachelor. And instead, they all tur- or half of them turned off their fucking TV or started watching something else. Just not a good sign. Yeah. Not a good sign. When you can't be on the side of inertia, it's not a good sign. Yes. That means that the show was like actively bad enough by direct comparison to Golden that people were like, nah, I'm out. This is a good show. This is a bad show. It, it just is. It's you can't have this. And I know that there is, to some degree, you could you could maybe blame this on like the volume of it that people aren't going to be able to watch two bachelor shows back to back, no matter what they are. And that may be a little bit true. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with programming, which is out of the hands of the producers. That's ABC making these orders. We need a Golden Bachelor, and this is when we're going to air it. And we need a Paradise, and this is when we're going to air it. And Paradise was two hours versus Golden's one. We're still only one channel with other stuff other than Bachelor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But uh, all of those kind of like details of this, the scheduling, the length of time each of these shows was going to be, that is firmly out of the control of the producers. They have nothing to do with that. That's all network decisions. That said, if you have a show like Golden, a ratings juggernaut that is dominating everything, this is exactly what you want in terms of being a network show. You want a huge lead in because then your only job is to just like keep people watching TV a little bit and they drop the ball here on this. Now, what it means in the future of the franchise, we're not going to know until next Paradise. How are they going to roll it out? Will it even be there? But these numbers mean a lot to the people making those decisions. The network TV ratings are all that fucking matter. That's how they make their money off these shows. And these ratings were not good. They... I don't know that they even won. Maybe they won one or two weeks with Paradise, but the other ones they didn't across network TV. They were getting beat by all kinds of stuff. So something is going to have to be done, I think, in service of that. I don't think this is like something the network will ignore at all. Something will be changed in Paradise next season. I don't think they can do what they did this season again. Mm, Yeah. At the same time, like the show has been going on for so long. It's like it can take a dip. Maybe they blame it on on the tonnage thing. But there's going to be more tonnage next year. And I mean, that this is kind of like, not that this is on our top 10 list, but it really is getting to that point. I just don't know how they're going to do next year. Like, I, I'm almost 100% positive. We're getting Bachelor, Bachelorette, 
Golden Bachelor, Golden Bachelorette, and probably Paradise again. I mean, right now we're in the off season. We're going to have what? About two months, I guess. A little more than two months and a week until Grazia Day, January 26. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Second. And we also have the live uh, Gary Turner and uh, Teresa wedding on January mm-hmm. 4th. So there's a little bit of Bachelor content in there, but. And we will not be off, by the way. We have some really amazing things coming up in the off season. Oh, Jesus. Submit your question, one minute voice memo questions to askgameofroses at gmail.com. Yeah. And also get, uh, get your hat ready because you're going to need to hold on to it in the very near future for something we got planned. Make sure it's a tight bucket hat style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we have some very interesting stuff coming up. So we, we hope you'll join us for that. But I just want to make kind of a, a point about these ratings of BIP and, and what it means, I think, in the, the kind of the landscape of what this franchise is going to look like next year. BIP is the least important part of it to the network because of these numbers. I don't know what that's going to mean in terms of how they they alter it or move it around or whatever, but it's the least important of the main Mm -hmm. shows now. Golden Bachelorette, I'm sure they know, is going to be massive. Uh, And the next Golden Bachelor will be too. I think they're putting most of their eggs in those baskets. And uh, Charity Season performed very well too. We saw those ratings spike up when they dropped it back to its regular time slot. I think they're very pleased with that. And there is so much momentum going into Grazia Day season. I think it's going to be massive. I think that's going to be a big mm-hmm. win for them. And they're then looking at Bachelor in Paradise and saying, well, why the fuck? All these other shows are doing great. What in the fuck is wrong with Bachelor in Paradise? Why is it dropping the numbers every time? Something will probably be changed. Time will tell. We're, we're opto 2020 gore on, uh, yeah. on BIP. But, you know, two for three. Can't be worse. Two for four. What? <laughs> What are you talking about? You trying to do some more football shit? I was like, oh yeah. Well, we had Zach season two. <laughs> we had a couple other notable things from this list. We had the abrupt departure of Becca Serrano with no explanation. That was an interesting thing that happened. Um, and Split Week is gone. They tried it one last season to a terrible, terrible result, you know, I'm kind of sad that they didn't try it again, at least try to do it better because Cause Out More is such, you know, it's one of my favorite game elements, period. Are they going to stop experimenting with mechanics from other games because of this? But the reason that didn't work is because they had already ground the players down. 
when they did that, yeah, none of those players were game. They were like, fuck you, we're not doing this. I'm just going to sit around and wait till I can get back with my boyfriend or whatever. They didn't time it right. Yeah, not only did they not time it right, all these players are like suspicious of what producers are doing. When they throw a big thing in the game like that, all those players are like, fuck, how are they going to make me look bad by doing this? Mm-hmm. And so they just fucking sit on their hands and are like, I'm not giving you yeah. any footage. Fuck you. I'm not going to be the first person to like leave my partner in history of Bachelor Paradise. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be a uh, a bad look for me. So I don't know if they're going to use other shit from other games or not. but Because in Stick or Twist, you want people to twist. That's the fun part. But that was it. That's our top 10 takeaways with a couple more. Um, Like I said, this was not the best season of BIP by a long shot, but all these things are interesting. I I do think like, again, I know that these are are largely like negative things about the the season, but to Mm -hmm. me, objectively, it's still just data and looking at it like, okay, this is where the franchise is. We have to objectively understand and accept that paradise is like in the toilet while every other piece of the bachelor franchise is exploding in popularity what's wrong here and i think that the things we've outlined are like big pieces of it not all pieces of the season were in the toilet though we do have our season-long awards what was your face play of the season my face play the season was olivia lewis uh week one she did in an itm a sticking out her tongue with a winking eye roll that, uh, I mean, she was turning in great face play all season long, but that one just kicked off the season to me of like, oh, who is this? Because she was a night one player I didn't know much about. And then she exploded uh, and started for me with one of those face plays in, uh, in one of her ITMs. How about you? That winking tongue out eye roll was also my face play of the season. It was objectively the best we saw. The producers recognized it as well as they put it in multiple episodes as if she was reacting to multiple different things. Loved it. What was your creature of the season? There was, for me, only one choice here. We are, of course, talking about that beautiful hound named Coco. Coco was in multiple episodes, multiple scenes. Coco had a black box. Yeah, had a lot of genitalia and asshole play um, that warranted (laughs) the black box. Really stole the scene. Was even at Murray and Kenny's fucking wedding. Mm. Hard to beat. Who was your creature? I generally am partial to dog creatures, but one creature was in my mind and will never leave it. And for this reason, the poop baby turtle got my... (laughs) Creature of the season. season. Uh, Never forget it, unfortunately. I don't know, me either. God. Going in and out. In all the promos. (laughs) Uh, I know. Who was your Jorge Moreno bystander of the season? So this is the award I was referencing earlier of uh, something that I felt represented this season. The chef staff that witnessed Kat's tearful birthday party and Kenny and Mari's fake wedding were my Jorge Moreno bystanders of the season. I feel like they really showed the fourth audience. We were forced to bear witness just as they were. Mm, interesting. Yeah. To the I, season. I remember feeling very bad for them. 
um, as well. But this season, Dr. Kelly Tenbrink, the poop baby doula, was my... Jorge Moreno by the season. They've, they've brought in doctors uh, before. Do you remember Doc Guac? Oh, yes. I forget what that was. Somebody had needed more guacamole or something. They brought in a doctor. Taj needed guacamole because she was having heat stroke. Yeah, that makes sense. This guy came in. He was in multiple episodes. He had to come back to make sure she had taken the shit by daybreak that one day, and she hadn't, and that's why she had to leave. Uh, he was doing a lot of work, and uh, I appreciate you, Dr. Kelly Tenbrink. Thank you. What was your error of the season? Braden going on the one-on-one date with Becca Serrano after his great one-on-one date with Rachel Recchia was my <laughs> error, error of the season. season. There were multiple people who dropped the ball with Recchia, but Braden's was the most personally devastating for me. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, I think this is error of the season. And that does not happen that often. <laughs> Look, I agreed with you. I Who was yours? Braden dropping the ball with Recchio was also my <laughs> error of the season. Um, she is the biggest player there to align with her in any way, be it a dynamic duo, especially in a romantic relationship, is the goal of the season for any player. And he had achieved that goal um, and then completely lost it. Even after he came back from the date with Becca Serrano, he could have still salvaged it and said, you know what? I went out with her and mm-hmm. it only made me more sure about how I feel about you. She's great and everything, but like what we have is special and I want to continue pursuing it. And he did not do that. And then of course, tragedy struck when Becca Serrano uh, left because she felt that she was being imprisoned by producers and she stormed off into the night and then Braden is left with nothing. Uh, it was just a massive, massive error. He, you know, is now with Christina Mandrell, so it doesn't matter, I guess, in the grand scheme. But had he stayed with Rekia, mm-hmm. true love finds a way. Indeed, that is the gold paradise. But had he stayed with Rekia, maybe they become the power couple of that entire season, and we get a very different Bachelor in Paradise season nine. Who had your play of the season? Braden Bauer swooping in on Rekia after Sean McLaughlin dropped the ball was my. Play of the season. It's hard to hmm. give somebody a play and an error for basically the same thing. Yes. <laughs> but when he swooped in on her, I was like, this is it. He's setting up basically a main character run in Bachelor in Paradise season nine. And I didn't know next week he would he would completely shatter it. But when he made that play, mm-hmm. play was fantastic. Blew my mind. How about you? This was a tough one. <laughs> But I have to say that Kat's stealing John Henry from Olivia and extracting a proposal was my play Play of the season. This was the the only thing that shocked me from the season was this proposal. I and I love that feeling. And this pivot was incredible uh kind of all exiting a player who you would think uh they wouldn't be that compatible and the show kind of edited them that way 
No, she was a very interesting player, and I agree with you. That play was fantastic. I, I just, I don't know. Her whole season was so bizarre that yeah. she was like a fool, a villain, now a hero, now a villain again. But yeah, she did make some great plays. Um, all right, so this is it. Our final awards of the season. Who was your MVP, Pace Case? For her broken back, <laughs> Olivia Lewis was my MVP. MVP. The caption didn't lie. She carried the season on her back. I loved watching her this season. She was incredible. Just the star, the star of it in every way. Didn't really get that much of a villain edit. Um, unfortunately, didn't have the the romance story, but I think that was maybe for the best, considering the romance stories that we saw. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Olivia Lewis was also my... MVP of the season. It is astounding to watch somebody come from complete obscurity to become the star of paradise in such a way. Um, I would even argue like a grocery who was also a night one player that, that came to prominence in paradise. He had a little more prominence going in. There was at least a big social media groundswell. Everybody liked mm-hmm. him off Becca Kufrin's season. Please, oh, he should be the bachelor, all this stuff. Olivia Lewis had none of that. Came in blind. Nobody knew who the hell she was and just dominated the season. Not true. She was in my final four <laughs> prediction. Right. I forgot about that. But uh, other than that. <laughs> Took a wild swing. <laughs> yeah, other than Pace Case's predictions. I thought she just did the most of anyone, hands down, did everything the producers asked of her and more, and uh, is very good as a colorful narrator, is very funny, can also make a 4TRR turn. She really showed she's got every tool you need to be a fantastic player in this game. And I'm I'm really saddened by the fact that she's not even going to crack 100K. Mm. I hope there is more opportunity for her in this franchise. I hope that she proved to the producers that she should be asked back next season on Paradise at the very least. If not, uh, let her crash, you know, some uh, Bachelor season, perhaps a Blake Moines season. Golden. She's the bartender on Golden Paradise. Yeah, let her go on Golden. I could see something like that. Let her just host Golden. Yeah, we got to, I mean, DLP, Empathetic King, he's going to have a little baby soon. Yeah, he he can't be hosting a show every day, um, which is like where we're headed, by the way. Each one of these shows takes about... They just start like AI. Why not? They hire Chris Harrison to come back and do the host, but then they CG Jesse Palmer's face over him. You know what's so funny is the feeling I have whenever I see like a promo for um, anything Michael Strahan is in. Oh, that's and funny. then I just have this instant reaction where I'm like, DLH will be so mad if he sees this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you everyone for uh, joining us on this ride of BIP season nine. It was a rocky one, but we have learned things from it. And I am very optimistic about generally the franchise as a whole. BIP9, I think, was an anomaly. I'm more optimistic than I've been since COVID of the franchise as a whole. Me too. And if you look back in the history of Bachelor, there were some low point seasons in there too. I'm talking about season 10. I'm talking about season 8. But that's Andy Baldwin and Travis Stork. Talking about Rachel Lindsay saying reach out to all of these black magazines and black media outlets. And then the... uh, Bachelor franchise said, 
um, no, we're not doing that. They don't want it. That was a, a clip we played in our most recent Digging Deeper where Rachel Lindsay is talking about how the promotions department lied directly to her about trying to get her um, on these kind of black media outlet shows to promote her season. Good to be gra- great, grateful for where we're at. <laughs> exactly. There are a lot of good things about the Bachelor franchise. I think it's in many ways in a better place than it has been in a long, long time. And I'm looking very forward to covering it all with you, Pace Case, in 2020 Gore. Me too. So Me uh, too. with that said... Please stay tuned. Like like we were saying up top, we have some very interesting shows coming up to finish out the year here. And uh, mm-hmm. there's one specifically that I think is going to blow people's minds. So get ready for that. And I, yeah. <laughs> before we go, as always, <laughs> what is that Dwabat? It's been 7,932 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be the Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then.